This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Get ready for some real talk with your hosts, Judy Cho and Laura Spath. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Judy Cho. Um, I actually was scrolling through Twitter earlier today and saw an article. It's like a little old, actually, but apparently Jenny Craig is officially going out of business uh, and closing down, which is kind of crazy to think about because they've been around for like 20 plus years. Are they going out fully or is it just like a restructuring of their business? So it sounds like they have a, they have a thousand employees currently and they're laying everybody off as of oh, now. Wow. So th- it looks like this was early May where they were looking for additional funding and they were trying to find some way to stay open. They also have been trying to sell the company for a while, um, but they haven't been able to find anybody. And so now at the end of or like as of the middle of May, they've officially given everybody their last paychecks laid everybody off and just essentially said that they're closing the doors. So they actually were founded in 1983. So that's before mm-hmm. I was born. <laughs> um, so that's been around that long in terms of like trying to help people lose weight. And I know they don't do like a point system like Weight Watchers does, but they do have like meal plans. They do a lot of like calories in, calories out. So they do like meal plans and exercise. And they really do focus on the support groups. So in a lot of strip malls, they would have like Jenny Craig offices where you could go in and it it was, I think, founded around a lot of the similar concepts of like Overeaters Anonymous or the point is that you gather in a community, which I do think is really beneficial. Um, But reading the article, it talks, and I don't know how true this is, but it's interesting because we've talked about Ozempic lately, which is this really popular weight loss drug. And... The article talks about the fact that with the rise of the drugs like Ozempic and also other apps and programs that places like Jenny Craig are is obviously going out of business and other companies like Weight Watchers are completely on the decline. 
Oh, okay. I was going to ask if Weight Watchers is doing well because I see the point system still around or I see it on packages where it'll say this is worth two points or three points. So interestingly, though, I think a lot of that's old. So Weight Watchers has completely rebranded and they're not calling themselves Weight Watchers anymore. They've rebranded themselves as WW. So they're not telling you like they're taking the weight part out of it and they're focusing on they still do points, but they've completely taken away the idea. Uh, and if you Google Weight Watchers, like all you find are like sponsored posts for Ozempic and Noom and like some other apps and stuff like that. Um, but now they've completely taken away like the Weight Watchers. I'm quoting, you can't see me, but air quotes, <laughs> Weight Watchers part of it and focusing on just like points and stuff. So it is, it is obvious how much those things are declining. Some programs like that, I really do wish it was because people are adapting a healthier lifestyle and moving more into whole foods and keto carnivore and, and this kind of genre. But unfortunately, I think it's because that things like taking a drug is just much easier and that the programs themselves aren't as popular any, or this idea of embrace your weight and, you know, I'm like some celebrities who glamorize obesity. Um, are just having a lot of the younger generation not even trying to be healthier. I, I think it's a mix of all of that. And I also think it's a mix of just um, people don't go, they, they don't go as much to like physical stores. So that brand True. or that website Noom, um, I've been seeing so many advertisements for like mental illnesses should be more normalized. We need to talk about it. But if you don't want to go into an office and meet a therapist, you can meet one online, which I think the human being able to interact in person is so different than even online or even on a Zoom. So I think that's maybe where people are just trying to stay in the comfort of their homes and use something like Noom or something um, that's online where you're just getting that direct care with messaging, but it's still not as powerful, I think, as those community, if they had groups at Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. So I think part of it is that shift to everything online, but I don't think it's a powerful shift. Yeah, I think unfortunately, it goes back to the isolation. And we saw that a lot over the last three years where people isolate themselves, and then they find online communities which right. you and I talk a lot about the importance of community. We we love the idea of having like online friends is great, but that does not replace in-person relationships. Right. You know, you can present yourself so many different ways and then online and it's you're just so different. It, it's a great tool to meet people, especially meet people from all over the country or all over the world that have similar interests as you, but it does not replace having in-person relationships and connection. Um, I think you're right, though. I think people are popping drugs. They're maybe going to loosely join us to something like Noom. And I think Noom is just like a diet lifestyle change through they use a lot of psychology. I've I've seen a little bit of it and it looks pretty good. But again, you are alone. Um, you will have a coach that will message you. And then there's a lot of those. There's also like NutriSense for CGMs. And I think people are using these things. I don't know how successful they are without the long term community and support. Um, but the then Noom, the Noom thing really, like you said, focuses on mindfulness where it's right. trying to just have people say like you could eat a part of a cookie and all this kind of stuff. And like, I do think that works for people who are just are not consciously overeating and they need a little bit of reminder and, and can handle the mindfulness. It does not address the processed food addiction, the carb addiction, sugar addiction. Like it doesn't really get into that side of things. It just talks about like 
hey, this is maybe don't eat as much of this food and eat more of other healthier, quote, foods, you know? Part of the reason that Jenny Craig didn't work is because, I mean, the foods, I mean, I don't know what Jenny Craig recommends specifically, but I know that Nutrisystem, is it, I think it's called Nutrisystem, but you know how they oh. have those like microwavable foods? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my friend went on it and she gave me some a long time ago. And that is not food, but well, the you... new one that's similar to that that I do hear a lot of people on is the Octavia, and that's like the new. So Octavia is the popular meal plan thing oh, okay. lately. They do um, shakes and microwave meals, and so that's kind of replaces a lot of the older diet uh, programs like South mm-hmm. Beach and. Uh, Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig, like, so you have the Noom, which is just an app that does mindfulness and you eat your own stuff, Octavia, which is more of like a meal plan, mail you microwavable meals and shakes, and then also the Ozempic, which is the drugs. Yeah, I think none of those really get to the root cause. And I think that's the biggest issue. Um, So while we're talking um, about articles, um, I saw one, I didn't look into it too much. So I can't speak very intelligently about it, but I'll link to at least an article. But I saw that um, the FDA granted an investigational approval for pork products made from gene-edited pigs. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the summary, but it says, just like regular pork, gene-editing livestock to quickly produce desirable traits for improved food production is a viable strategy for helping feed the planet's growing population, says the U.S. FDA. But scientists argue the gene-editing technology involved has not been proven safe. And then they talk in the article about like the CRISPR sausage, which is like a gene-edited sausage. And I think there's salmon has been approved. We talked about the cows being approved, a certain type of cow. And um, it looks like more and more they're going to have these altered gene and beyond just GMO type of animals. It's just concerning because what does that mean? And we also talked about in that episode, some people that go strict carnivores because they're immune, they're immunocompromised. And so when they change these genes in these animals, and maybe there's like a very small, very small, slight alteration that affects these animals, and then will it make it food that these immunocompromised can no longer eat? And these are just questions that we just don't know. Yeah, I know that. I mean, it's interesting to think about people get very concerned with the genetically altered animals, but yet most plants that we eat every day are genetically altered in some way. So I am concerned. I agree with you. I'm I'm curious on what that means and, and what exactly that means. I also think that from a media perspective, a lot of times they'll say, you know, genetically altered cattle or cloned meat. It's not the same thing as like the 3D printing meat that we see where they're like printing fake meat versus like they're doing IVF on cows or they take the, you know, the insemination from one cow and implant it to a breed of another cow to have a, another type of cow, a more, you know, leaner, protein heavy cow. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know if that kind of stuff bothers me because what's the difference between that and then a person doing IVF versus obviously if they're, you know, genetically altering things to have them come out differently and to be more, you know, toxic for us or whatever that is. I don't know. So there's a balance of at what point is it a real, a real threat or a real problem versus salacious media and articles. 
Right. No, that that makes sense. I mean, it's I, I hear that the plant breeding in a very similar way. So there's a difference between GMO versus just cross pollination or cross breeding of, of fruits that then make a different type of fruit. So I think you're right when it's just a natural like you're providing the natural selection, then that might be safer than if you're genetically modifying. And that's the nuance. I don't know enough about this article. But there's so much that's yeah, there's so much that's marketing as well. Like there's a company called Wild Forks Meat. So I saw Jess Pryles is mm-hmm. a big um, advocate in the uh, barbecue space. She's not like carnivore. She's the one who has the brand. I talk about her all the time. Hardcore carnivore seasonings, which are not like actually carnivore diet focused. It's just meat focused. But she's a big advocate for meat in general. And she addressed the other day, she did a reel that talked about um, – a company called Wild Forks that was advertising their meat saying like, would you want to buy your brisket at the same store you buy your body lotion from? Essentially saying that that's their marketing slogan, essentially saying that grocery store meat is worse because they get their, you buy other products there as well. But in reality, the parent company of Wild Forks, she pointed out, is actually the nation's largest meat buyer, and they provide the majority of the meat to the grocery stores. And this just so happens to be their like organic farm brand, but it's still owned by the same company. Like this is a problem. I get it that these large conglomerations are all running. You know, they're all the ones that are providing the majority of the meat, but advertising that grocery store meat is worse and you have to buy locally is a lot of it is just marketing from those local companies. This is where I get skeptical about some of the the marketing and fear that's put out in the headlines. I know that there's been a big fear that's gone around and I, I feel like I sort of missed it, but it was around the mRNA vaccines being yeah. in our meat. And um, I, I mentioned and said, well, it's been supposedly it's been going on for years. And if we're okay, maybe it is okay. And then <laughs> I said that too, and without even doing much research. Yeah, honestly, I see DMs about that a lot in all my YouTube. I just, I, I ignore them simply because of the fact that I don't have the knowledge or the research to know much about it. I don't really have the bandwidth. I, you know, like you and I have been very open about how we feel about those types of things for people and for our kids right. and stuff. But also, so that question was actually asked at KetoCon, um, and that was. I think even too, a lot of the experts up there said that they didn't know. What I do feel, I think it was like our very first guest that we ever had. Um, we had somebody on talking, he was a rancher and he was talking about, um, farmer, you know, like the beef industry. And he talked, I think he brought up the fact of hormones or somebody that I've talked to talked about hormones where like those things are so expensive to give to animals. They're not just out there blanketly chucking cows full of hormones and antibiotics and vaccines to just for what reason? It's so expensive to do that. Like just farmers are not doing it. It would not make sense from a cost perspective. And if for some reason an animal was sick and they had to give it antibiotics or they had to give it hormones, it has to be out of their system before they can sell it to you, right? Their body has to metabolize it in the same way that ours does. So it doesn't necessarily end up in the meat. So like that's the end of the bandwidth that I mentally have to do research on it. Like I can't this is one of those situations where like, I just can't live my life in fear about right. all of Agreed. those things. I'm doing the best that I can. And I don't have the capacity to go out and grow my own cows or, you know, raise my, raise my own cows and raise chickens and do all those things. So at some point I have to do the best that I can and I can't stress about it. I don't know. No. And I agree with that. And I mean, that's where 
if knowing all of that about the antibiotics and how it works through our system, that's the only time when it comes to organ meats where I say, if we know that the liver and kidneys are the ones that are filtering through all of it, those are probably the organs that you want to eat at the cleanest animal or the healthiest, because there is a risk if these animals literally were the ones that took antibiotics and whatever else they had in their system, or if they were sick, it'll manifest in their organs. So you don't want to be eating the grain finished of just those and, or just don't eat those organs, right? So like, that's the other thing you can do. But, but I agree with you. The limited information I know about these mRNA vaccines in the animals is they've been doing it for years. So if you didn't worry about it two years ago, or even a year ago, I don't know. I mean, if you want to worry about it, you can, but there's just never going to be, it'll never be good enough with whatever type of animal. Cause then when you get into organic or grass fed, then it's, was it grass finished? But when it was grass finished, what kind of land was it on? Was it by um, those EMF poles? Because there's a lot in Texas where what kind of fertilizer did they use on the grass that the cows are eating? (laughs) What was the fertilizer made from? Like it's, you know, it just never ends. So do the best you can and where you feel at peace and comfortable. But I just, I think that we overly stress and that's how so many people in the wellness industry become orthorexic and scared of everything and they should just stay in their their homes and not get exposed to anything but it's just that's not a place and that's not a way to live. Yeah. So I'm I've been trying to focus on my sleep and stress and kind of track some things lately so I bought a tracker. I'm not really ready to talk about the brand or whatever yet cuz I'm paying for it myself but also like I don't know if it works yet and I don't want to say the brand name cuz I don't want to recommend it before I know. But it's a device that like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. No, what? You got to share that. It was so funny. Oh yeah, so this woman made a reel <laughs> and she oh this was so funny. You have to go find. I I posted it in my story if you missed it, but I was dying. That was so funny. So (laughs) she made a reel with her teenage daughter and she was like, told her teenage daughter, like, Hey, you know how you like Taylor Swift and you like to wear what she wears and buy what she buys. And then she was like, well, I like this carnivore named Laura Spath and I like to buy what she buys. It's not even funny me describing it, but then she like put on the sunglasses that I had mentioned in my stories the other day and that she had bought. Um, and then did like, it's like the done Dun, dun. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was the, it's like it was really cute. It, where the sunglasses, cute. the gangster yeah. sunglasses dropped down and she looked so cool. Her daughter was like, teenager was like not impressed. It was so <laughs> funny. Anyway, is that what you're no, talking about? Really, yeah, yeah. No, it was really cute. So no, I just envisioned that as soon as you brought up that I'm not going to recommend yeah, my yeah. sleep tool because and I just. Yeah. So like I've wanted to just track because I've always talked about like my sleep is really strange and I just, you know, I have a lot of stress in my life. And so I wanted to track it. It's not an aura ring. Honestly, like those were too expensive for me. So I'm trying something else. I will share about it later, but I don't know yet if it's working, but it is telling me like what my, I forget the point of all this was, but like it's tracking my stress and like, it's just telling me that I have chronically high stress. I'm like, oh, well now we know. And so it's even tracks your stress level, like while you're sleeping And I've been adding exercise now for a few weeks. uh, And so I wanted to track like my heart rate variability and some different things like that. So it's been really interesting to track. But like your point is, we we can't live our lives in this state of panic and fear. I went to the dentist the other day. And my heart rate, I watched on this monitor, my heart rate skyrocketed, my stress level, like it's monitoring factors like your heart rate, your breathing and all these things. And it's telling you what your stress levels are. The minute I got in the car to drive to the dentist, which I have severe anxiety about my, all of those things skyrocketed and my body, my tracker was like, you're 
in your, you know, in a period of high stress, try to take some deep breaths and like acknowledging that I was having a full blown panic going to the dentist. And so like, I can't live my life. I have enough stress in my life normally. I can't add things like some of this meat panic and fear on top of it, or it's just, it ends up being counter beneficial. If it's been in our, we, we just don't know unless we're raising our own cattle. Right. We, we just don't know for sure. And if you find the benefits and you're healing, then, I mean, you could say it's ignorance. I don't know. But it's just at what point do you just let go and just kind of trust the process? Because, I mean, my, my clients that need to eat just the soy-free, cage-free, pasture-raised, corn-free eggs are the ones that are sick. And once they're not sick... They could eat the regular eggs that are fed the corn and the soy and right. the white eggs from the grocery store. So is it that you're just trying to band-aid a bigger issue or find what's making you unwell? But it's yeah. usually not just that it's because a, a chicken was fed corn. Um, usually that's not the reason why you're yeah, sick. Focus on your overall health and wellness, some activity level, some your sleep, your stress levels, like what you're eating is a part of that, yes. but it's not the only piece. And there's a lot right. of other things that we have to be able to factor in uh, and, and try to find a balance on for sure. Cool. Um, so I listened to another podcast, like a totally random, like fashion blogger podcast, and they did like a fun exercise where they, it's like a husband and wife that usually do it together. But like, that makes sense for me and Judy as well. (laughs) So I figured it would be fun for us to do some questions, maybe like outside of what we normally talk about, but as a way just to like, for us to get to know each other better. Uh, and then maybe it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes, but we have prepared some questions to ask each other. And so we'll just, uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. They're kind of random. And and I think this activity would be beneficial if there's some questions you like that you can ask your loved one or your friend or or your child and I, I think it just brings about more conversation and connection which we really lack these days. So, we just yeah. thought it would be fun. We gathered these from a few different places, but I know there are some like games on Amazon that are like icebreaker questions or like, you know, like our family plays tons of games, but I know they have ones where you like pull questions out and then it like starts a discussion amongst the, you know, whoever you're playing with. And it's like treated more like a board game, but it ends up being some like fun conversation. So yeah, cool. Uh, You want to go first? Okay. Uh, What is your most embarrassing story or tell us an embarrassing story? (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm sure like I've like peed my pants or something like, you know, like you sneeze and I'm trying to think of like a very specific. Oh, actually. Okay. I remember this is where like, so we don't know what we're going to ask each other too. So like it's, I had to think about it. I'm sure like I've had those moments where you like sneeze and pee your pants, but I don't know if anybody knew that. Right. When I was at work one time in the office, there's a, this is on video actually. And I've probably shared this at some point on stories when this episode airs, I'll have to try to find it. But I was, so on a video, the security camera at work in the lunchroom, like I was on the phone and I was walking through and somebody previously, which we didn't know this until we watched back the security footage, had been like mad and cleaning up a potluck and they like grabbed this fruit tray and like threw it like 10 feet into the trash can while fruit juice smeared like all over the floor. And I didn't know that. So I come walking into the lunchroom to grab something from the fridge and I'm on the phone talking to a client. And as I walk, I literally, you watch my feet, like it looked like a cartoon, like flip up from underneath of me and I land flat on my back and I just lay there like wheezing, trying to still talk. And I just like end up laying there for like 
a really long time. So the video that I have of it, though, is all of my colleagues watching it on the security footage and I'm <laughs> recording it. And you just hear everybody like howling with laughter because obviously nobody was there when it happened except this one random employee who was like eating a rotisserie chicken across the lunchroom. And he just like sat there and watched me lay and roll around in fruit juice and then for years and years, and I was so heavy at the time too. So like, I'm this huge person, like rolling around on the ground, trying to still talk to the client. It was, everybody played that one. I was, every time we had like a corporate event, they would like find a way to play that video on the PowerPoint or something ridiculous. So how did you get the security footage? Did, did you go and ask? Well, like we, yeah, the, I came back to the office and I'm covered in fruit juice and I'm like, <laughs> cr- like laughing, crying. And all of my coworkers see me. And then I told them what happened. And as soon as I told them, they were like, we got to go get that footage because it's in the, you know, so then they ran back to the security guard and then he pulled it up for them. And then they recorded it, obviously. And Oh, that's so funny. We have to see the video. I'll play it. I'll find it to play. I always, it like pops up on my Facebook memories every year. But other than that, I can never find it. But you just hear my coworkers in the background going, and she's down. And then everybody just starts (laughs) roaring with laughter. Oh, that's so funny. They didn't let me uh, forget that one. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I have one for you. If you had $100 that you had to spend today, you're not allowed to save it, Junie. Okay, you have to spend $100 today. What would you buy? Is it for me or can it be for anything? For I mean, uh, for anything. Yeah. What would you do if you had 100 bucks that somebody said you can have this but you have to spend it today? We I tend to function in like a very equal equal sort of share, so I think just immediately my thought was split it $25 and give 25 to my husband, 25 to Caleb Aiden and myself, and then just whatever. So maybe we go to the store. What do you think you would buy with your 25? I don't know. My first thought was the grocery store. So I guess meat, meat and cheese. But I always think of like, what would my kids eat? So yeah, I don't know. Try to buy something that they would eat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Oh, um, I think this is an interesting question that I, I learned about you recently too, but um, do you think you are an introvert or extrovert? And let's pause for a second because I think most people have an opinion, but yeah, so let's pause. Tell us if you think you're an introvert or extrovert and why. So to define it, right, an introvert is somebody who is recharged by being alone. And an extrovert is somebody who is recharged by being with other people. And right. so, you know, if you are in an environment where you're surrounded by a lot of people and you're talking and you're doing all those types of things, you know, and you leave that environment and you're like, yeah, that was awesome. Like you're likely an extrovert. And if you leave going, oh, I need to like go sit in a closet and be by myself, you're probably an introvert. And so obviously everybody assumes I'm an extrovert because I do have a very outgoing personality, but those types of environments do really drain me. And so it's something like KetoCon or when I'm teaching all day for my job and I'm standing in front of a classroom and I'm teaching 10 people and engaging and having conversation and we're doing role plays. Like when that day is over and everybody's like, let's go out to happy hour. Like I just want to bang my head against a wall. Like I need to like go be by myself and recharge. So I definitely think I'm an introvert simply because I feel like I am. I'm good in those environments. I'm great engaging with people. I like it. I do like it a lot, but it's just, it is really draining for me. And so I have to kind of plan ahead to work myself in some breaks uh, occasionally. Like 
uh, honestly, today for my job, I'm in back-to-back meetings all day. I'm doing a live stream on YouTube later tonight. Um, I have no time in between, right? So I'm going to try to find a time. I just know myself. I have to take like the hour before my YouTube live stream. I have to just sit and talk to nobody because after talking and being in meetings, even though it's virtually all day, then to try to like show up and be present for the live stream tonight, like I already know. And normally I would immediately leave my live stream and go sit in the sauna by myself and not talk to anybody afterwards as a way of like kind of decompressing and recharging before I hang out with the family again. But I just got my eyebrows done and I can't go sit in the sauna tonight. So (laughs) I have to wait until they fully heal. Uh, But the point is, I definitely need my recharge moments. And I think what's so interesting is, do you think most people would find me introverted? Probably. Yeah, right? But I'm actually extroverted. So I think maybe when I was younger, before my eating disorder, I was definitely a lot more extroverted. Like I couldn't ever be alone. As an example, my mom said on Saturday mornings, we couldn't leave the house until we cleaned the house. So I would literally drive 10 miles to pick up my friend and have her sit with me while I cleaned the house. And then we would go out. And and so I and then I think with my eating disorder and becoming really isolated and sneaky because of it, I think it forced me to become more introverted because I became very private as I've healed. I think my extroversion has um, come out a little bit more. And just with your examples alone. So whenever I do a a recording or I have a call, the first thing I do is I run to Kevin's room and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I just learned? And he's just, he hates the interruptions, but I realize it's because I have to share it with somebody and that's where I get my excitement from. But given that, um, what you just said, like if I had a full work day, I need a break before I talk to my kids. So then, so that I think maybe, maybe all of us have a little bit of both, but yeah, I I agree. I don't think it's a binary thing for for people, but I do think people sometimes uh, confuse just being an outgoing person. Like I'm a loud, outgoing, like I share whatever they think they assume that that means extroverted Um, or, you know, just because of the difference in our personalities. But I don't think that that's not really what it, you know, how it usually translates. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, but you're right. I do think people think extroverted means outgoing, but I don't, yeah, I think it's different. Yeah, cool. Um, What is something about yourself that you hope will never change? I think my values, integrity slash values. Yeah. Yeah. I think no matter where I go in life um, or what affects me in life, I just hope that I will always have the principles. And I think a lot of that stems from my faith. So I don't see that changing, but I can see you know, just being in the social media space, it can affect people. But I, I hope that it never does for me. Maybe, maybe the vitamin E stuff really humbled me through all of that drama. I don't know. But so yeah, I would say, um, I would say my integrity or values. If you preferred cold or hot. So if you lived in a super cold area or a super hot area, what, what would you pick? Oh, hot. My coworkers constantly, like right now I'm sitting here talking to you and I have on a t-shirt, a cardigan, a blanket on my lap and a blanket wrapped around my shoulders. And I like the only time my coworkers know, like if they see me on a video call and I'm not like teaching professionally, I'm wrapped in two blankets and I'm wearing socks, right? Thick socks all the time. I live in Arizona and I constantly, like, I just can never seem to get warm enough. I feel like 
I joke with him. The only time I'm never not freezing is if I'm in the sauna at 190 mm-hmm. degrees. So I could not. I lived in Chicago before. I used to work outdoors overnight in the winter. I could never go back to that anymore. I would much rather be hot all the time. So in your home, do you have the AC set a little lower or do you think it's just you run cold? I definitely think I run cold. Mm-hmm. It is a carnivore thing, to be honest. If I eat sugar, my body runs hot. <laughs> like Chris and I, like if he, if Chris were to eat sugar, all of a sudden he kicks the AC way down because he's right, like, right. oh, it's like it's like it's the difference. I truly think, and now you're gonna have all the critics out there saying that I have a thyroid problem because I'm cold constantly, and it's like a thyroid thing. I just I don't think it is. I think it's just that like your body runs on different types of fuel when it's eating carbs or sugar. So I do think that's part of it um, because if I, I can tell a difference, you know, of like if I'm in deep ketosis versus if I'm just like still eating meat, but like not, I don't really worry about being in deep ketosis. I notice a difference in my temperature. And then if for some reason I was to have sugar or like have had sugar before, then I run like really hot. So. I do too. I um, I wonder if it's a mix of carbs and fat though. So I don't True. know if I've ever just had carbs, but when I when I used to go on like my binges, I would start feeling really hot. So I I totally get that. And then I would purge, um, and then I'd feel super cold. So right. I I totally get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what is something that you one thing not like your family or God or something, but like what's one thing that you couldn't live without? like, uh, writing. I know that's so weird. So I've, um, ever since I was little, my mom and dad, I don't know why, but they always facilitated me having my own diary. I've always had diaries. I've always had journals. And then once I started dating Kevin, it kind of died down. And then I started writing publicly. So I, it's very cathartic to write for some reason for me. Um, so I couldn't live without that. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's you and I are so different in that way. I love that so much. What would what would your thing be? Oh, I was gonna say something dumb like chapstick. Like I couldn't live without. I know chapstick, chapstick. is big too. That's a big one for me. Like I I couldn't live without chapstick. But that's I think more though. Um, you know, I was a theater major in college, and I I think I had somebody ask me years later, like he still works in theater now, and he's like, how could you just. Like, it was such a part of my life. I have a tattoo on my body that represents, like, theater stuff, you know? And, like, what I believed my calling was. This is another question I had for you, right, that was, like, that I'll ask in a second. But, like, it's, like, what I truly believed my calling was and, like, what my purpose was Um, and some of, like, what the gifts that God had given me is part of that. And he – and a friend of mine was saying, like, how could you – that was such a huge part of who you are and what you do. How could you give that up and and walk away from it all? And – I had to think about it. And in a lot of ways, like that's what this Instagram and YouTube and this podcast, like that's that outlet that that gives me is even though I'm not like performing a play that somebody else has written. And I certainly try very hard to represent myself and to not be a fake character. It still does out give me that outlet the way that writing does for you, right? You've been able to channel that into this world and into serving the community, into writing books and blogs and newsletters, this podcast and my Instagram stories, as silly as they seem, it does give me fulfillment in a lot of ways and like helps me to use some creative uh, outlets that I feel like I was, you know, hopefully that I was given, you know, like those are things that are, that are still really fulfilling to me, even though it's not in the traditional theater sense. Yeah. And um, it's really memorable because I distinctly remember one 
where you were on your office chair and you were like flying by. <laughs> I remember. That was like three years, four years I know, ago. but I, I distinctly remember. I was like, oh, this is so fun to watch. Um, so I, from a perspective of the the community, it's it's you're making it fun. You're such a normal person, but, and you could have fun and still eat meat and not be some weirdo, right? So I think it's all yeah. purposeful. So it makes sense. So I answered that. I was kind of a because oh. I took over. So let me ask you one. Like along those same lines, though, what uh, are some things that give you fulfillment? I think connection. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, just having a community that gets it. So I don't know if it's a values thing, um, but just it goes back to the extroversion. So some days I will have to force myself to stop working to then go to like a community event. But whenever I go, it doesn't even, it could be like our kids school, they're having a board game night. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I have so much to do. I have to do my newsletter, etc. But then after I come back, I'm like, Oh my God, that was the best thing ever. Right. So I think that really fuels me. Yeah. I, I really like that. Cool. So assuming you weren't carnivore, this is your last meal. Maybe you're on death row. <laughs> And so it's, uh, you have all your teeth and everything. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> my teeth. why would I not well, you, have my teeth? <laughs> no, because you know, when people are really old, they can't eat all the different foods. Oh. But anyway, so what would be your last meal? <laughs> well, like non-carnivore, am I going to trigger yeah, well, it could be by talking about carbs? Well, I mean, don't go in description maybe, or be super, super descriptive, but yeah. What would, what would be your last meal if you could eat whatever you wanted? You know what's interesting, Chris and I always talk about like we just used to always eat steak also, but it was just that there was a bunch of other like scalloped potatoes and bread and dessert right. and all those other things with it. But like we used to be able to pick our meal um growing up. So if you want to skip the carb talk, you can skip. This is where <laughs> this this to this is what's I mean, for me to be honest, like it doesn't trigger me to talk about it. If anything, it's a fun nostalgic memory. Like this is a really yeah. And it is a strange thing. Like Chris and I like watch ice cream reviews and junk food reviews like on social media and we like send them to each other and we just have this moment of like oh and then it's like oh okay cool that's cool like we almost like appreciate it as like you're watching a movie so I think my last meal on earth would be like growing up on my birthday my mom always made spaghetti pie and you know garlic bread out of like hot dog buns or something um and then it's like white people lasagna (laughs) it's like the spaghetti noodles and cottage cheese and prego and you know mozzarella bagged mozzarella cheese and then you bake it um and then like for our wedding cake our wedding cake was carrot cake so that would definitely be like it's been a lot of years but i would love that (laughs) so your so that's so interesting so your favorite last your last meal would be more nostalgic than the actual kind of food oh like yeah, the yeah. food quality okay that's so interesting i think too for sure it would be like what was that like memory meal for me growing mm-hmm. up yeah like definitely it would be nostalgic okay that's cool um okay do you think do you plan with your children because i know you know do you think you're more um Hang on, I'm wording it weird. But do you plan to give your children more or less freedom than you had growing up? I feel like they have way more freedom than I had growing up. (laughs) I'll say that, especially growing up in an Asian household where my dad literally would never let us miss school. And one day I remember my brother and I in elementary school, I distinctly remember, we're like, we don't feel very well. And he's like, I don't care. You have to go to school. (laughs) So we both, I think we got food poisoning. We both threw up. 
separately. And then school called and told him to pick us up. But we literally got perfect attendance every, every day. And he later told us it's because in Korea back in the day, you had to pay to go to even elementary school. Mm. So for us, it was a privilege that we were able to go to school. And so my dad was so ironclad about never missing school. And obviously, it's a different schooling system than what we have today in school for public school. But they were super strict with that. And then they were strict about grades. And so, so many things. And I, we don't even send our kids to a school that has grades or, um, or not homework. Sense, no, right? not at all. So, but I do think my parents instilled hard work and other things that I hope to still instill in my children. Although I do not see that sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. What was the last book or audio book you read? Um, you know, so I work in sales, in corporate sales. And so I have been, uh, we recently taught a series on, um, negotiation tactics. And so kind of as a research to writing that curriculum, we all read the Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Um, and that focuses a lot on negotiation, uh, tactics. And then I'm trying to think what's I'm currently, let me look at my audible because I, well, like, so also too, like Penelope and I are reading the, Little House on the Prairie series. So we read a chapter of those together pretty much every night before bed. Um, and so she's been going through that. And then I've also been going through like the Anarchist Handbook, <laughs> <laughs> which is a collection of – it's not like a linear book. So each chapter is like a section of some type of um, – anarchy <laughs> written material. <laughs> and so that's one of those things that I, it's a, it's kind of heavy to get through in the, because it goes timeline from like oldest to most modern. So the first few chapters are kind of a lot to get through and listen to, but that's why I've been like spacing that one out. But yeah, I'm working on that one too. It's fun. It's, it's such different books. Um, I read Chris Foss's book and I used the tools to try to negotiate a book deal. And the oh, book nice. deal went south though. <laughs> And so I probably totally implemented it incorrectly, but well, was, or you so just funny. knew what your value was, and you weren't willing to. Oh, that's true. You too. weren't willing to compromise in that because you knew <laughs> what you were expecting to get out of it. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh, what is something that you tried reluctantly, but it turns out that you actually liked it? Anything that you were like hesitant to try? Carnival. My first gut that? thing. <laughs> oh, what? No, no. My first thought was improv, but um, oh, I yeah. still. Didn't think you liked it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely, I, I hated going, but every time I had fun because I think that's the extroverted where everyone is laughing together and it's fun. But whenever it was the spotlight was on me, I hated it. And so that it's just an interesting part of my personality, but it forced, and I would force myself to go and do improv, but it was a very scary thing. But I think I learned more about me. There's, there was one person as an example that was super extroverted, um, and he, he was very outgoing. And I just said, oh, have you done improv for long? And he's like, no, I'm very, very shy. And I, it takes all the energy out of me to do this. And then I have to take a go to bed immediately after. And oh, I was yeah. so shocked by that. So I think a lot of the people there were business people or in some other field, not really theater. And they were just trying to get out of their head or get out of their um, shell. And I thought, oh, I'm way more like you all than than I thought. So it was interesting. Well, I'm going to try to get your next thing that you say, if we ever circled back <laughs> to that question again, to be like guns. Because <laughs> I'm going to, she's so I reluctant. Know. I'm going to take you, train you, take you shooting, uh, and you're going to fall in love with it. I know. 
I know. I'm I'm definitely more open. So I grew up in California and I was like, yeah. no one should have guns, right? So I, I have definitely changed my opinion on that, especially nowadays and the way that all the shootings are sometimes misrepresented. Yeah, I am I'm completely open. I just need to make time for it. Yeah. Because that's that's the thing. It does take a lot of time because it's it's important that you have proper education and training. So that's not to like get off on that subject, but that's since we're gonna bring it up, that's we're advocates for that. Yeah. I think it's my turn, isn't it? Yep. Okay. So what is one item on your bucket list? Ooh, I had that one I was gonna ask you about too. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think like I just want to give my kids experiences and travel. Like, I feel like I have been so blessed in my life to be able to travel so much that I just want that for them. And like, I have never in my entire life, like been on a family vacation that wasn't to go visit family. Like growing Mm -hmm. up, we never just went on vacation. Like, first of all, we were really, you know, very low income family. And so like, we never just like went on vacation and my kids haven't either. They've gone anytime we go on a vacation, they go, we go to visit my grandparents or we go to visit my family or Chris's family or something. And so we're, we're in the midst right now of looking ahead to like, what does an actual vacation look like? We want to take the kids whale watching and like do these things that they're just such a good age for that. And I'm scared of them like growing out of that desire to like want to be with us. And I want to try to foster that. So I don't know if that's like a specific bucket list question, but like, just to take my kids on trips um, and give them some of those experiences is super high up there. Like that's one of my biggest priorities right now, but it's, it's hard and scary to think like I'm seriously going to spend that much money on like a vacation, like, or you know what I mean? Or just like anything like that many plane tickets and that trip. And it's kind of scary to think about. Yeah, no, I can totally relate. Um, My, we went, we grew up in an affluent area, but my parents were blue collar, so they weren't the most wealthiest. So my friends would all be going on trips to Europe or Asia when we were young. And the, yeah. we had, we had a couple road trips, like we'd go to Grand Canyon driving, but general or camping. But I think we only had one plane ride trip somewhere and it was, um, other than going to visit family. And, and it, it took them a lot of effort to do that. And so I feel I felt the same. And I try to do that for my kids, too, because I didn't get that. So I would be so jealous of my high school friends that are going on trips to Europe. And it's yeah. it, my parents had a business and we couldn't do that. So I, I totally get that. It's it is hard, though, because I hear our neighbors just sent their kids or they our whole family went to Disney World and we did the math and it's like fifteen thousand dollars to yeah. stay there. And that sounds, and I don't want to support Disney at this point too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, I can't, it is crazy to think about, like, you know. Yes. It's crazy. Um, I guess all along those lines, is jealousy something that you struggle with now as an adult? Um, You know what's weird is I used to be jealous of people that were really thin. I think that was my disorder, right? So I didn't care if you were wealthy. I didn't care if you were smart. All I cared is if you were skinny, that was the person I was jealous of. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I, cause I mean, immediately I don't feel anything, but yeah, maybe, maybe it still has a little bit of that. Maybe some of the, like, if you have a perfect body or if you're super pretty, um, maybe I would have a little bit, but it's, I'm, I'm so old now, honestly, and it's like not a priority (laughs) that I'll have a split second where I'm like, oh, you look nice or, oh, you look good in that. But it's, I don't feel it's, I wouldn't say it's jealousy. Yeah. I try not to also. So I'll go out of my way. If I see a 
like a, a younger girl passing by and I know she probably has a nice body, I'll purposely not look because I try not to quote unquote sin that way. So like, yeah. that's how I try not to trigger myself. So I purposely will not look at the person. That's probably a healthier mindset to have anyway, especially, yeah. you know, something we, we work towards. Yeah. If you could marry any celebrity, who would you choose? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's Chris. So, yeah. That's so random. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, well, this one's probably safer to say because he's not alive anymore. But like, <laughs> I was always so obsessed with Heath Ledger and like that giant oh, okay. smile and like... <laughs> He has, like, no top lip, but, like, his smile is just so giant, right? Like, that same thing, like, Julia Roberts' giant mm-hmm. smile, but, like, I just loved him a lot. <laughs> so were you super sad when he died? Oh, honestly, I think that's the first time that, like, a celebrity died, and I, like, really cried. Like, I was okay. really, really – it was such a sad circumstance anyway. Yes. Um, I, do th- I think that was, like, the first – celebrity that like actually affect I felt like affected me in some way for sure I was in love with Linkin Park a long time ago um and so it's a rock band it's a rock band yeah (laughs) okay sorry no it's okay (laughs) no no, because they were very pop like they were you know popular in such a pop way so yeah, yeah. yeah but um and and my favorite was Chester Bennington, which was the main person. And I even met them in person. And, you know, I was just a groupie in that sense. But um, and then he ended up taking his own life. And it was when we were older. And it was so it wasn't that long ago. And I was so disappointed. Um, and 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 there's been several people like that lately. And I just it breaks my heart a little bit. And so oh, yeah. I can't even listen to this music anymore. So anytime Linkin Park comes on, I change it because I think of what he did. Um, and it just makes me super sad. So yeah, that's so sad. Um, so we get we get a lot of online hate. You know that, like everybody does who <laughs> shares online. And you could have a small account or a big one. Like it doesn't matter. Like everybody is critical of other people online. Um, do the online trolls or does the negative criticism that you get online bother you, or how does it affect you? Yeah, it totally does. Um, I think I've gotten stronger over the years, but I definitely, my brother always said to me, he worries about me being online because I think I'm super empathetic to a fault um, and I'm super sensitive. So he was always like, how are you going to handle it? Because he had a business and then they had Yelp and all those other, you know, the company related reviews and people would say all these mean things when they were not happy. So generally speaking, if it was like a vegan, it wasn't too bad. But when people attack my character, which is what they did with the vitamin A, it wasn't about just the content. The content, mm-hmm. I wouldn't bother. But when they're like, she's the biggest quack. She's just another YouTuber just trying to make money and fear monger. And that, that's when it kind of hurts when it's about me or when people question my motives and I can't justify back to people. That's the part that hurts the most. But I think it's the role we accept as we are public, but it's never fully easy. And I think you're like way better at it than me. And I've always, oh, I felt jealous that I, you were able to not get as affected. I would, I wish I had the thicker skin you did. But I do think it also comes with a balance of, I just, Chris jokes that we've talked about this on the podcast before that I'm like psychotic because I ha- I don't have a lot of empathy in that regard. Like I'm probably really low on that scale. And I think- that's just you. You are very empathetic and that shows your heart. And I think why you do what you do with people. And it's also why I 
separate myself. I don't coach people individually. Mm -hmm. I really keep myself separated in that sense because I don't, I'm just not equipped with some of those tools that are needed to do that. Um, but in the, in the good sense, it does help to like not impact me as much other than like that one time with when I think I was surprised the whole Buffalo Wild Wings thing when the the first time that that happened. It's mostly because I just was so surprised that people thought I was rude to a server and I would never be rude to a server. And so I think that was the only time that it really bothered me, but I, I got over that pretty quickly. But again, like I honestly, more than anything, and I think you're the same way. We just, we don't read them a lot. Like I definitely, that's what I do now. Don't read Mm -hmm. them most of the time. But if I do, it's usually funny. Some guy DM'd me yesterday, like, show us your feet more. It was so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like some stuff is just so weird. People are so strange. But like, I thankfully, I think, I don't know how people do, if it does affect them in that way, I don't know how you could keep sharing because it would be too hard. Yeah. So Kevin's so sweet sometimes that he knows that I'm like that, or I get so upset. Like someone sent me an email and they were unhappy that they, I, I just got an email today and this person is super disgruntled by all the carnivore community and our dogma and all this and is yelling at me about it. And he met with us one time and that was many years ago. And he, we recommended supplements, but he lives across the sea. So I didn't say to even get it from us. I said, get it from somewhere else. Anyway, so he's upset and then he named names, but he's yelling at me about it. And again, I know it's not for me, but I, I said for a split second, your email does hurt me, but I know a hundred percent that my value system is legit. So even though you're saying I'm disingenuous, yeah. I have to know my truth. And so that's fine. But still, like it still affects me because he was a client and then he apologized after, but still. And so Kevin will always find something that he, he scours the internet way more than I do. And he found a clip of Rogan saying that he doesn't watch anything because if it did, it would affect yeah. him. So he literally watches zero comments. And so he shared that with me to say, it's okay that you don't see your Amazon reviews or your YouTube yeah. comments, because if it hurts you, just carry on and do your mission without listening to that. And it doesn't matter how famous you are. It always affects you. You know, th- those things are so sobering to hear. So yeah, I-, I will do what I do, but I will be less and less in the comments because I, I honestly can't handle it. Yeah, I think the worst thing that somebody can do who shares online or is trying to make content for people or help people in this way is to listen to the comments because even the good ones, you and I have a lot of conversations about this. Even the people that are in your DMs, like talking you up and saying good things, like it's such a small percentage of people that actually comment or message you and you just get such a distorted view of things, good or bad. And so this is also too, where somebody will send me something nice and just Crystal sometimes like, I think he gets really proud when somebody messages and talks about how like if I look good or I'm beautiful or something because he then gets he gets proud in a weird <laughs> no, way it's it totally cute it's so cute no, he's proud of you I, I yeah. totally see it yeah and he's like he'll send it to me and I'm like oh ha 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 he's like doesn't that feel good when they say that and I'm like I can't believe that or right. I have to believe the negative ones because if I'm believing all the people who are telling me positive good things and whatever then that means that I have to put stock and I have to put you know value into the negative ones and I can't right. do that either so I have to just try to block out most of them, you know? Yeah, it's so true. No, I agree with that. And that's how Kevin takes all the comments we get. So he's like, if you're going to accept the good, then you have to consider the bad. So we try not to ever. And that it goes back to that one question. But just, yes, just do your thing. Don't get too big headed. Don't get too affected and find your purpose and just do that because that's ultimately why we're both sharing. So, yeah, I think too, that's, I mean, I hate to cut this. Like, I think that's a good place to end on. I got to 
I, I got to get back to work. Um, but we're, I like doing these questions. I think we both have some more. We'll do, if you guys liked this, let us know. We'll yes. do some more of these, like tack them on to the end of some other episodes uh, and other things coming up. But it's just kind of a fun way to do something a little different. So let us know what you guys thought about it. Okay. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>